Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Priority Status by J Public Relations. This is Amy Ogden, Senior Vice President of Brand at JPR. On today's episode, we're talking all things social media. My guest today is Greg Gallant. Greg is the co-founder and CEO of Muckrack, which is a digital PR and journalism platform, but he's also the co-creator and executive producer of the Shorty Awards. These awards honor the best in social media, and trust me, when you see some of the campaigns that are entered, they're pretty incredible. Greg is a frequent speaker on social media, marketing, PR, entrepreneurship, and journalism, and he's presented at South by Southwest, Harvard Business School, the International Journalism Festival, and many more. He's also the first person I've ever known to be a member of Twitter's exclusive First Name Club. You can follow him at at Gregory. Um, On today's episode, we're going to talk about social media and talk about the kinds of campaigns that win awards. So as you're looking at your 2020 social media strategy, maybe you'll pull away a few ideas. As always, thanks for listening. Now let's get into our episode. Hi, Greg. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be on the podcast. (laughs) We're happy to have you. I think you might be my first podcast guest who has his own podcast or has started his own podcast. I'm honored. This is like podcast inception. No pressure. (laughs) So I introduced you at the beginning of today's episode to our listeners, but I'd love for you to take a moment and just kind of tell everyone about yourself. Sounds great. Well, I'm the co-founder and CEO of two different organizations. One is called the Shorty Awards. It's the largest award for best of social media and digital media. So we honor things that happen on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, you name it, uh, both from influencers and also from brands and organizations. And I also am the CEO of Muckrack, that's M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K, and it's a software platform both companies can use to find the right journals to pitch a story idea to, monitor the news and view reports, and then also a tool for journalists to keep their portfolio online in one place. Nice. Yeah. I approached you about coming on the podcast because I was really excited about the Shorty Awards. When did you start the Shorty Awards? So started the Shorty Awards in late 2008, and it actually came out of podcasting because I started a podcast in 2005, back when podcasts were barely a thing. And I'd interviewed all these uh, section interview series with entrepreneurs. So I interviewed Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, back when LinkedIn was a 30-employee company, the founder of Yelp, the founder of Vanguard Group, the founder of Brooklyn Brewery, dozens of others. And one of the guys I had on my podcast started this company called Odeo, that it itself was a podcasting directory. Odeo ended up not working, so he pivoted to a little side project called Twitter. So that led me to sign it's up to Twitter passion, super early. A little passion project. This makes a lot of sense because your Twitter handle is at Gregory, which when I saw that, I was like, did he found Twitter? How do you get the <laughs> handle that's just your first name? But you're part of like, there's a name for it. It's like the exclusive first name club. That's right. Yeah. I didn't pull any favors. I just went to twitter.com, create new account, typed in Greg. Actually, first I typed in Greg, and Greg was taken. Then I added the ORY, and it was open. 
So I got at Gregory on Twitter. Later, I actually got an Instagram by signing up for Instagram early. So you can find Dang. me on Instagram there too. Good for you. But it you. pays to be an early adopter. That's kind of the story of my career. It really does. I um, This is a little bit of a side note, but I remember years ago, I used to live in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And the Florida Times Union, our daily main newspaper, their website is jacksonville.com. And I always thought, you know, how much do they have to pay to get Jacksonville.com as like the city's newspaper? And I was meeting with someone at the paper one day and I just asked the question sort of offhandedly. I said, by the way, how did you guys get Jacksonville.com? That's wild. And he goes, by the way, fact checkers, this is my memory from a long time ago. So I might be really messing this up, but this is close. It was something like either an intern or like a junior level hire. It was like the internet was kind of new and they needed, you know, their domain and they just tried Jacksonville and no one had it and they just scooped it up. And I was like, nice. give that person an office. <laughs> That's amazing. So good for you. I always wish I got in early on these things. I never do. So anyway, back on topic. So our listeners are passionate about hotels and travel, but they're also passionate about brands and breaking out of spaces. And so the reason I wanted to have you on today was specifically to talk about the Shorty Awards because you founded the awards about 10 years ago, right? That's right. Yeah. And the focus of the awards is to honor the best in social media. And so what I would love for you to share today with our listeners is some of the things you've seen brands do in the social space, of course, recently, but also in the past, some you know best in show kind of things you've seen. So specifically as our listeners in the hotel and travel space, but other spaces as well, we have listeners across all industries, they can maybe take some of these great ideas and parlay them into their strategies as we, especially as we move ahead to 2020. And like you mentioned, you know, brands like TikTok are now sort of all in our vernacular and in our lens. Yeah, definitely. And it's been fun for us watching all these brands always push the limit. And, you know, one thing I always take away from it it always pays to be an early adopter and figure out like how do you get on the cutting edge of any of these new platforms or just things you can do on these platforms and push the limits because the more you do what's conventional and use old platforms, it's really hard to break out and you know, unless you have an absolutely huge budget to really make any kind of impact. But if you're always figuring out like how do you do something in a new way, in a different way, you can have that edge to get ahead. Definitely. So let's kind of start here and work backwards. I know the Shorty Awards this year, you've added a few new categories. Tell us about the new categories you've added, why you added them, and what you're expecting to see brands put forward as they enter these awards. Yeah, so we've added a lot of categories. For one, we've uh, expanded our podcasting categories. And you know, this is kind of a meta moment here, but we're seeing so many brands Embrace podcasting, both launching more podcasts, using it as a way to promote their existing brands. Uh, we're continuing to expand what we do it with TikTok and uh, our categories there because we're seeing, you know, that's become such a major cultural force now. And I think it's hard for people to understand who don't push themselves to understand other demographics because now if you're over, you know, 25, you don't really get it unless you push yourself to. But there's a whole generation now growing up with TikTok for whom it's such a big push. Yeah. As well as just in general, a big trend we've been seeing, we've been continuing to rejigger our categories for it. It's just video becoming such a force in social media. And now, you know, it's hard to imagine doing a big social media campaign without video. Absolutely. 
TikTok is interesting. I spend maybe 20 minutes a day watching TikTok, not because I'm enjoying it, although I kind of enjoy that. I enjoy the puppy videos the most, but because I think it's my responsibility in this industry just to know what content is being put out there, how it's being amplified and leveraged, what brands are getting in on the game. It's been, that's been really interesting to me to watch what brands are and aren't on TikTok yet. I've searched specifically for certain brands that I thought would be that actually aren't as active as you would think. Some of the most iconic Gen Z focused brands, you know, which ones I'm talking about, but then other brands like the Washington Post randomly, very active on TikTok. And I think it's so cool. They've just embraced it. You can tell they've just head first they're there for it. So I like what you said about, you know, you have to be willing to be a part of what's going on. And at least even if it's not for you to be watching it, because I didn't think Facebook was for me a long time ago. And I didn't think Instagram was for me at one point, you know, so that makes a lot of sense. You know, I said, I met with a friend of mine who's an SVP of social media at a Fortune 500. I don't know if he'd be okay with me disclosing which one, so I'll leave that out. But he was telling me that his I don't know exactly how old he is, but probably, um, you know, I mean, he has a family, so not the TikTok generation, but he was saying that his his wife looked at his screen time report and saw he was spending over three hours a day making and consuming TikTok content because he just jumped straight into it knowing that it's really powerful. And now he's at a conundrum because he has a young, uh, young daughter, I think she's eight or nine, and he and his wife haven't yet granted a phone for their kid, you know, like many parents, they're concerned about it. But, you know, all of her friends are on TikTok. So it creates this weird dynamic in the family that uh, to deny the child. Phone but you're watching it, it, but you won't let your kid. Yeah, it's. Yeah, so there's that, but that's all aside. But I think, you know, what really struck me about that was that if you want to know how to connect with the audiences you need to connect with, you need to use these platforms yourself. And it's absolutely impossible to really understand the platforms without using it. Actually, had the issue happen to me when I started the Shorty Awards back at late 2008. I felt like I was in the know with everything. Obviously, I was on Twitter very early. Facebook rolled out while I was in college back when it was just for college students. So I was a very early user of Facebook. So I knew those platforms intuitively. And I'd look at people who were older than me and didn't get it. And I'd always think like, oh, look at these fools. They don't they don't understand what's really going on. They're right. out of touch. And then I remember Snapchat got big. And I didn't get Snapchat because I was over 25 and everybody at the time who was using Snapchat. And this was the beginning of the story feature because Instagram hadn't yet incorporated it. So I, I was observing Snapchat getting big and I wanted to understand it. So I downloaded Snapchat but none of my friends were on it because none of my friends were in that demographic. And I'm like, well, how are you supposed to learn a social app if you can't be social on it? So I decided to do this thing at our company because I realized we'd be big hypocrites if we were running a social media award show and yet we didn't understand Snapchat ourselves at the time, the fastest growing social network. So I declared one day Snapchat day. And on that day, I banned all forms of internal communication except for Snapchat. So if you needed something from a coworker, you couldn't email them, you couldn't Slack them, you couldn't text them, you had to send them a message on Snapchat. We were very inefficient that day. <laughs> but I kind of love this. Yeah, it was extremely effective at getting us all to learn Immersion. Snapchat. Yeah. And it became this kind of reverse mentoring thing where all the interns and the people who we hired who were a year or two out of college 
knew how to use it and were teaching all the rest of us how to use it. And we'd run over to them and be like, oh, wait, how'd you change the yeah. font on that one? Because <laughs> the interface was so unintuitive at the time. And how'd you do this? And how'd you do that? And by the end of the day, like, we, we all got it. I stayed, cool. I kept using it. And then when, when Instagram later uh, incorporated stories, I was already ready for that. And I understood right. how that worked. And it really put us way ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's amazing. I, lo- I really love that. I, it's hard, right? Because you can't do everything. That there is a responsibility to at least have a touch point and a basic understanding of it. I think one thing that brands also can sometimes get a little stuck on is like, well, that's not my audience. But there's sometimes two steps to the audience. You know, we work with a brand that is very family focused. And so TikTok can make sense for them because the teenagers of the family are very influential in where they travel and what they do. Mm. So I think also, you know, we're always looking at this. We're even pulling out further sometimes to find out it's not always an A-B connection between the platform and your audience. There can be two steps. And I couldn't agree with you more about getting in early. I mean, I don't want this to be the TikTok show, but just I'm blown away by some of the people I've seen on TikTok and they're following. And it's just because they got in early and people didn't have anyone else to follow. So they started following them and now they've been able to leverage those brands just like every other social channel in the past. It's the ones who get in early and really get into it and can get that following soon because then it's so saturated. Smart strategy can absolutely circumvent a lot of the saturation, but there's nothing like getting in early. Yeah, it's really well said. And that goes, I think, both for brands, for journalists, for individuals. If you get in early, that's when you have a chance to really make a name for yourself without having the resources because, yeah, by the time it gets saturated, then we've seen it play out a, a many times where you have to then really pay for it. I mean, it happened even with search where early on, if you figured out how to do good SEO, you could rank really highly in Google. And a lot of people built great brands off that. Yeah. And now if you want to build yourself through search ads, you better have a huge budget. And then same, it happened again with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, where early on, if you got on there and you were making great content, you weren't competing with anybody. And now, yeah, TikTok and their new frontiers. And I think the challenge for us, those of us in the creative industry, where on one hand, we're creative and you're an agency where people look to you to be creative. And we, we work with many customers on the muckrack side and then also our entrance on the shorty side. We see that where it's on one hand, they're creative, but on the other hand, it's a business, right? And you people are coming to you and they're looking for ROI and P&Ls and the challenge is when you're early to these platforms, it's hard to prove the ROI yeah. because no one's agreed on metrics and maybe the platform doesn't really have a metrics yet. But yet, if you wait to tell the perfect business story, by the time you can do that, that means you're competing with everybody and every Fortune 500 is going to be spending millions and millions of dollars. So I think if you're a small upstart brand, you have to be willing to place some bets and kind of trust your gut on like which platforms are going to be valuable and how you're going to connect with your audience. The whole time you were talking, the word that kept coming to mind was gamble, which I know isn't exactly the right (laughs) word, but then you said place your bets and kind of is. It's a bit of like a gut that says, I think this is going to be the thing. Let's just go for it. And if we're wrong, we're wrong, you know? So let's get specific here. You see it all. You've seen brands enter these social media awards for 10 years. Who's doing it right? What are they doing that's right? Like, what can our listeners take away today as they're looking at their 2020 social strategy? Yeah, so I mean, a couple of really cool specific ones I saw from uh, the winners of last year's Shorty Awards. W Hotels won with a really cool campaign where they worked with Giphy 
and ended up winning our gift category where they created custom gifts kind of playing off their brand images so that people could add those gifts easily to their Instagram stories and other elements like that. What I thought was interesting about that campaign is it kind of leverages this idea that it's not just about what you do on your social media feeds, which I think is what everyone gets obsessed with. They're like, hey, what do I post on my social media account? And that matters, but what really matters is like, what do your customers and what does your audience post on their social media accounts? So it was a really cool way they armed, uh, they armed their customers to create interesting, fun content at their hotels. That's cool. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, another really cool one I saw, actually in a similar vein, uh, one brand that I think did a great job building their whole brand on social media is GoPro, and they've been a longtime entrant and uh, oftentimes winner in the Shorty Awards. And in the last Shorty Awards, they won with this million-dollar challenge, where it's a million dollars that you could win by creating great professional-looking video, you know, doing action sports and whatnot, using your GoPro. And then they, of course, use that footage to power their own uh, social media and advertising and all that sure. rather than hiring professional videographers because the whole brand is about anyone can kind of do this professional work. It sounds a lot like those iPhone ads that we saw a couple of years ago where it'd say shot on an iPhone and it would be some just beautiful photo yeah, know, exactly. as their way of showing like our camera can do this. 100%. Yeah. yeah it's a way to kind of make the product integral to the ad rather than just kind of coming about it from a more uh, conventional way. Yeah. That and I think with yeah. both of those, yeah, what's fun is it kind of flips it. So the campaign all becomes about like what your customers are sharing on social rather than what you're sharing on social. That's always so much more powerful. That's even how we built the Shorty Awards brand. I mean, we have our social media handles that collectively have millions of followers, but what's always been really powerful are the people who are involved in the shorties, the entrance, the celebrities that are up for shorty awards, their fans that are voting will share it. Uh, last year we had 7 million votes from the public with people tweeting or, or sharing on Facebook and other platforms their votes for who they thought was the best on social media. And the reach of those 7 million votes is much more than the reach we'd ever have in our, our own social media handles. That's really cool. I sometimes hear brands, all kinds of brands, not, I'm not speaking about travel brands here, just a variety of brands say something to the effect of like, well, our audience isn't on social or it's just not for us. Do you think social media is for every brand and every brand should be on social media? At this point, yes. I mean, you look at the percent of population that's using any of these social media platforms it's almost everybody. And then you could imagine, like, even if you tried to think of a, an audience that's not on it, maybe if you had some platform that only served octogenarians, right? I mean, first of all, most of them are on social media more than anybody looking at photos of grandkids. And even if it weren't them themselves, they're going to have children and people involved in their lives that are. But yeah, outside of that, it's like just about every professional now is using LinkedIn. Just about everybody's on Facebook, even if they're not using it all the time. Occasionally, they're logging in to message people or see a birthday. So many people use Instagram now. So on one hand, yeah, there's this huge portion of of anyone's customer base that's using social media. There's also second order effects to it. Uh, like you were saying, the example of parents are going to decide the vacation destination, but they're going to be heavily influenced by teenage children if they have them. 
or probably even younger children if they have them. You know, just the same, like we see it too, that like just about every journalist is on Twitter and actively uses it. If you go amongst journalists, a double-digit percentage of them say they get their news from Twitter is their primary first news source. And most of them rate Twitter as their number one social network they use professionally. So even if you didn't think your audience was on Twitter, if you're relying on journals to reach your audience, you better be on Twitter because the journals are on Twitter. And you know similar stories like that, if you're reliant on distributors to get to your audience or you have retail partners or vendor relationships. So you really have to map out like the whole ecosystem around your business. And I guarantee you they're on one form of social media or the other. So it's just a question of which one. And then, you know, the final thing I'll say on that is people, let's say I owned a hotel and I was anti-social media. So I didn't set up a, a Twitter account or Instagram account for my hotel. I'm still on social media because people who would be in my hotel or were staying there are posting stuff to social media. And they're going to write, tweet what they think about my hotel. They're going to post photos and tag it with the geographical location. Uh, they'll share reviews on Facebook. So it's like you're on social media, whether you like it or not. The only question is, do you want to participate in it and have a hand in shaping how you appear on social media? Right. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't really thought of that before, that like you're on it whether you like it or not because people are putting you on it, <laughs> you know? So for the average listener who isn't a W hotel or a GoPro, but they still want to stand out in the space. As you look into 2020, what are a couple of things that any brand, big or small, budget or no budget, these can even include going back to basics, but what are a couple of things that a brand can do as they look at 2020 and they're thinking about their social media presence, their strategy, and their goals what can they do to not just get lost in the mix of so many brands trying to share their stories on social today? I think the key, especially for small businesses, upstarts, people who don't have massive resources, not think about how you're going to make your social media awesome, but think about how you can help your customers make their social media awesome. And, you know, walking around New York, you only have to see like the lines to get into the Museum of Illusions or the Ice Cream Museum to see how desperately people just need interesting stuff to post to their Instagram. Or even you walk into the Met and, you know, all people are doing are trying to find a good moment for a selfie. So there was a New York Times, I think it was the Times the other week. I think it was that, I mean, the Mona Lisa is just, it's not even fun to go try and see her now in (laughs) Paris because it's just hordes of people with their phones up. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine whatever model that was in Mona Lisa thinking, I'm getting this painted of me, but one day I will be in the selfies of thousands of people that are transmitted electronically to millions of people around the world. What a thought. I like that though, basing your strategy around how you can make other people look good on social media or give them a story to tell or a way to tell it. Yeah. And it doesn't take much, you know, like I've seen there's a bar by my apartment where they always just write something really clever on their little chalkboard and they write their name on it that, you know, there's little chalkboard easels that sit outside of a bar. And a few times I've taken a photo of it and posted it to my Instagram story. And, you know, it's like, what'd that take? Just one witty person with a piece of chalk. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I'm walking around, I need stuff to post to my, uh, my gram and keep it interesting. So they gave me an excuse to post. And so you think even if you're the scrappiest hotel or restaurant, like, can you do something interesting in your venue that people want to take a selfie with or just take a photo of 
because it's clever, because it makes them look good, because it's it'll create great irony. And then all of a sudden, you're going to reach all those followers of your current customers. And what's better than reaching the followers of your current customers, because those are your potential customers, and probably actually a lot more valuable than your own followers, because your own followers are already care about you. And to be honest, it's probably your family and your friends and all that, yeah. much more so than like the person you're trying to convince to be your next guest or be your next patron. Yeah. You know, we work with a lot of hotels, sometimes even, you know, a year before opening. Some, we've worked with some, you know, two years before opening. And part of what we will do with them is create those on-property social media moments as part of the design of the hotel, whether that is an amazing swinging chair, you know, in front of a gorgeous background. I mean, the social media moments are built into the design now for that exact reason, giving people a reason to go, oh, you've got to do this. I was in Bermuda earlier this year and (laughs) bless my friend who came with me. I was like, you just have to get this one photo of me. It's a hammock in the ocean. And it's just this iconic photo. Everyone takes it the whole trip. She's like, can we just get this photo taken so you'll stop talking about the (laughs) hammock in the ocean? But it was that Instagrammable moment that I had to have when I went to Bermuda. So that's really smart, whether it's a hotel or another brand. Years ago, this was pre-Instagram. There was a kind of like a sports bar in San Diego. I think it's called Bub's. It's downtown. I used to live in San Diego near this sports bar. And their thing was if you would check in on Facebook, you know how checking in was really popular for a while? If you would check in on Facebook, you'd get a free order of tots. I mean, so what did that cost them? Like 30 cents for every check-in? If you actually go now to their Facebook page, they probably, I mean, I remember back then they had like 10,000 (laughs) check-ins. But it was so smart just giving people some compelling reason to do something with your brand. Obviously, checking in, I think, is of the past. But I mean, that was eight years ago. Yeah, now, I thought that was pretty smart could be, back then. Yeah, checking in and, and doing a screenshot. And, you know, a lot of it, too, is people love being acknowledged by the brand. And I see it happens to me every now and then. And I travel a lot, so I get to view it as a consumer. But, you know, it's just something as simple as, like, if I post one thing and I mention the brand and the brand just likes the post or retweets it, like, I want to post more now because I know I've got a dialogue going and I'm being seen and yet so few do that. And I think, like you point out, that's not to be, like, on one hand, if you're building a new venue from the ground up, yeah, it's an amazing opportunity to create all those moments in the place. But even if you're taking over a tired old hotel, it could be as simple, yeah, as you're saying, give out a free appetizer for doing something. Or even I'll find, like, if, if I just get to a hotel and there's a nice handwritten note, and a bottle of champagne that probably cost them $10 or some chocolates or whatever. Like I might post a photo of that. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a huge capital investment just to do something that's going to separate you from all other hotels. Right. Well, and the visual really is everything. There's, um, this is really funny. So in our office here in New York, as you know, we have different wallpaper in every office and one of them is the flamingos, very famous, you're not famous, but you know, very well known this flamingo wallpaper. It's actually textured. People come in and they see it and you want to know what so many of them say. They go, oh, that's the same wallpaper as in the ladies room at Royal Palms Shuffleboard Club in Brooklyn. I'm not making this up. So many people take photos in that ladies' room in front of the flamingo wallpaper that it's become so well known. People come into our office that's and amazing. talk about a shuffleboard club in Brooklyn, Mm. just from wallpaper. So yeah, it doesn't have to be 
something extravagant. It can truly be a wallpaper. And what I love about that story too is it shows you they how they defied expectations because no one expects there to be a great photo moment in the bathroom. No, not at all. But they, they flip the expectations on people. Whereas like had they set up a special activation, take your photo here and here's some wallpaper, it'd feel too manufactured. Right. But because they did something no one expected, they got ahead. It worked really well. Back to other things you've seen. You you touched on video a second ago. I would love to know more about that. You know, something we're hearing so often is authenticity lately. People don't want to see overly edited, overly curated content. How does that connect with video content? One big trend we're seeing is just the switch to vertical video and just getting people to shoot the video on an iPhone or Android either way, but uh, shoot the video on the phone rather than use huge production values. And then also there's just this big nuance now that we all hold our iPhones, you know, so the screen is vertical. And if I give you a video, first of all, you can only consume it vertically, really, if you're getting it through a story like Instagram or TikTok. But even if I'm posting it to uh, an app or somewhere where I have control over the video, like nobody wants to turn their phone around. It's awkward, you know, we're all, the phone's built to be held vertically. So, you know, creating it in that kind of more intimate style where you have the uh, the video, the way you consume everything else makes a big difference on the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've gone through Insta stories sometimes and someone's video will be like sideways. And I'm oh, like, yeah. how did that even happen? How do you do that? So the Shorty Awards, you're taking entries now. These are social media awards. If our listeners go to shortyawards.com, they can learn everything and enter. What are you really hoping you see some entries on this year. Like what, I don't know, are you just excited to see something come through and thinking, man, I really hope someone submits in this category or I hope I see something that hits this vein. Yeah, you know, there's always interesting um, ways. And I should just add the disclaimer, we have a whole group of judges that are CMOs and uh, chief creative officers and folks like that that actually choose the winners. I don't want people to uh, hear me and think if I give a tip that it necessarily uh, lands a win. But that said, you know, what I've seen is really powerful and people create great videos summarizing the work that they've done. That makes it uh, a lot more powerful. And I think it's a big trend in award entries in general that doing great kind of sizzle reels and Mm -hmm ways to recap and actually kind of go meta and tell the story of your campaign makes a huge difference over just doing text entries and screenshots. And, you know, it used to be that when you'd apply to an award show, you'd put together like a binder full of uh, materials on it. And, you know, there's still written word involved, but nobody wants to read just uh, pages and pages of stuff anymore. If I could have three days of my life back. When I was in my like late 20s, I lived in Florida. I worked in PR and I judged something like this. I was one of the judges. I remember drove to Tampa. It was three days of going through binders of entries. (laughs) And it was, your eyes just crossed. By the end, it was so hard to even intake the information to even know if it was a good winner or not. I'm really glad those binders are gone. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're proud. We've always been digital. We know a lot of older award shows have uh, made a big deal when they got rid of like their paper submissions that had to be mailed in. But I think we've had a lower carbon footprint than most uh, award shows. Happy to hear that. Um, well, as we wrap up, what are you personally 
Like, what is your social media New Year's resolution for you at Gregory? What are you going to do with your social media next year? Yeah, personally, uh, I like to challenge myself to try to use the story format in more detail and tell more intricate stories. I find it's, I'll post a good amount to it, but to actually kind of get that narrative story arc going is uh, takes a little more thought and work. And, you know, I see just about every teenager now knows how to do it. So I just want to be as good as a teenager. I don't need to be as good as a uh, great social media producer. And then also, you know, similar to what you're saying, I, I feel like I got to up, up my uh, TikTok game. That's still a relatively new platform for me, too. I mean, actually, with the shorties, we've had uh, TikTok and, and before that, Musical.ly, which was acquired by TikTok and kind of rebranded TikTok. But we partnered with Musical.ly before it had even gotten big in the U.S. So we... We've been in it ever since the early days, but I, you know, I personally want to kind of accept the content challenge of making these videos. In a way, it reminds me, I don't know if it was like this for you, but growing up, you know, I'd play with the camcorder and yeah. make myself disappear by starting and stopping it. <laughs> and I feel like kids today have this, have that on steroids where they're kind of set up to be producers. And I think, you know, for all the negative things about kids spending too much time on social, and I think it's a, a real concern. But I think the silver lining there is that it is this great opportunity for creativity. And compared to, you know, a generation ago where we grew up watching MTV, which isn't watching MTV isn't creative at all, or, you know, just watching TV in general, it's just consuming. I think it's exciting to think like you have a whole generation growing up creating, learning how to create media in new ways. And I think they're going to be amazing directors and producers and communicators one day. I couldn't agree more. That was my first thought. And even with Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, certainly we have a generation that has grown up creating. And I'm blown away by the creativity I'm seeing coming out. I mean, I was such a consumer when I was young because that's what I could do. There weren't the outlets to create. And I'm kind of jealous that they get to, get to do this. I mean, I can too. Those are good New Year's resolutions. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Entries are still open for the Shorty Awards. And if you are a brand and you've been doing something amazing in social media, check it out and see if there could be a category that's a really great fit for you. That's right. Yeah, just head on over to shortyawards.com. You can make an entry. You can also on the page, contact one of our producers. And if you're having any trouble uh, deciding what category to enter, they'll walk you through it. Nice. And of course, on Instagram, you can follow at Gregory, at Shorty Awards, at J Public Relations, at Muckrack. Um, and all of this, of course, will be in the show details as well. Well, Greg, thanks again for your time. It was a pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for being a part of Priority Status. I'm Amy Ogden, Senior Vice President of Brand. It is always a delight to be with you. And until next time, travel elevated. <laughs>